Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me, uh, not as always, but filling in for Ryan, is Josh. He's back again already. Welcome, Josh. Hi, yes, I am back again. <laughs> so uh, those of you who are wondering where Ryan is, uh, please do extend your sincerest condolences to him over on Twitter. Uh, he had a uh, death in the family this past week, so unfortunately won't be here to join us tonight. But everybody sent him love and hugs and all that kind of stuff uh, over on Twitter and make him feel loved. Um, but Josh, we're very, very happy to have you back. So uh, we're just going to jump right into what we're playing. Um, I'm really interested to hear about Graveyard Keeper because this is one that was like kind of on my radar. I like Stardew Valley, but I definitely got into Stardew Valley way after everybody else. So Graveyard Keeper looks similar, but like way more complicated. So what are your thoughts? Well, I feel like to begin with, I like to tell people I hate how much I love this game. I thought okay. you were about to say, I hate Stardew Valley. And I was like, why <laughs> did you even pick this game up then? <laughs> oh, no. It, like, I love Stardew Valley. In fact, it's got the multiplayer update to it on PC. So anytime you want to play, by all means, let me know. I um, didn't even know you could <laughs> multiplayer Stardew Valley. I'm not even 100% sure how that would work. <laughs> uh, pretty good, actually. Jim and I tried it. It's pretty good. Neat. We enjoyed it. Uh, so, yes, Graveyard Keeper, the game that I hate to love because it is a horribly great game. Like when I first started playing this game, I would not recommend it to anyone. And then I read <laughs> a couple guides on Steam and understood the game more than I loved it. So I was trying to think of how to describe it. And I got this. A good graveyard keeper doesn't hold your hand, which is good in games. You know, you don't want too much tutorialism or, hey, press X. And it tells you, you know, like Navi from... Yes. The carny of time. Hey, listen. Uh, but what it does do is it abandons you on the side of the road in the rain, deep within the mountain forest of Montana with nothing more than a bottle of water and the clothes on your back. Like, I feel like that's the proper analogy for this. Fair um, enough. I know I had heard that that was like <laughs> the biggest, I think, perk to the game and also the biggest criticism of the game, which I find it really funny that it's kind of both ends of the spectrum, like people either love or hate the fact that there is basically no guidance. It's just like, yeah. here's a thing. Here's a quest. Uh, by the way, you can't actually complete this quest till you're like level 20, but we don't actually tell you that. So then you, you know, go about trying to do it, but you don't realize you can't actually do it. And uh, yeah, so I've heard definitely that there is a lot of um, misdirection, I might even call it, at least from the kind of game well, style that we've gotten used to like we're used to being level one getting a level one quest and then completing that quest and leveling up to two and then you get the level two quests like we're not used to getting things out of order i guess well it's not so much in that sense whereas it's um you kind of like need to go through your tech tree to complete some quests which is fine games have that um it's just it doesn't tell you like it's Stardew Valley with a graveyard, but there's a lot to do in the game, almost to the point where it feels like there's too much to do. Like in my current gameplay, I'm working on making my graveyard more beautiful, but that means I don't have any time for farming, for fishing. Uh, I'm not gathering anything for cooking. I'm not doing any supply runs for money. Like there's so, so much to do that 
you're pretty much when you're playing, you're saying, okay, I have 100% of the game. Uh, today, I'm going to play this 20%. And maybe tomorrow I'll be bored with that. So I'll play this 20%. Or maybe on this day in the game, I'll do this on this day. It's just there's almost to the point where there's too much. And then you throw on top of it that it doesn't guide you too well. It's very easy to become just overwhelmed with how much there is in the game. I was going to say, do you feel that the amount of variety or like tasks that there are to complete helps to keep the game fresh? Or does it feel like because I mean, often uh, the biggest comparison I can draw to this because it's fresh in my mind because I've been playing way too much of it is Warcraft. And just the idea that like, okay, I have to run dungeons, but I also have to do islands and I also have to do world quests. And like, it's very, very easy to get overwhelmed with all of the kind of daily chore type things. So does this feel like it keeps things fresh or does this feel like there's too many things to do and not enough stamina to do it with? So I'm, you know, missing out. Yeah, you touched on a stamina bar. It's just horrible that (laughs) there's no more to say other than. The stamina is horrible. Granted, when you make better tools, it gets better. It's still horrible. But uh, to answer your question, I wouldn't put it like I played the last expansion of WoW. I haven't played the current one. I would say with WoW, it's different because uh, when you were doing, say, world quests, you were doing world quests and it was kind of like its own section of the game. The problem with Graveyard Keeper, like if you wanted to do one quest, You have to do this thing, which allows you to do this thing, which allows you to make these things, which is what you need to make these things in order to give to this guy who sells you this thing in order to do your quest. So it's not a simple, oh, he wants five pieces of bread. I'll cook it and give it to him. It's like, no, if you want to make bread, you need to get stuff for your furnace and then you have to grow the wheat and then you have to make it into flour. Then you have to mix it with water to make the bread and then you have to cook the bread. Then you have to wait for it cooked. Then you get the bread and you have to drop it off. But oh, wait, it's not a silver star bread. It's only a bronze star bread. So he won't take it. So you have to sell that somewhere else or eat it. It's just, oh, my goodness. <laughs> very, very, very complicated, it sounds like. So but, you, in order to do a quest, you have to basically incorporate all the parts of the game but then yes. so that's going to take you days and days and days because there just isn't enough time in the day. This is sounding more and more like real life. The more we talk. About <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say the main difference between this and Stardew Valley, which if you're someone who loves Stardew Valley, you're going to jump into this game. Uh, food is very important because of how bad the stamina bar design is. Uh, food gives you stamina. And in Stardew Valley, you can kind of get away with never eating food. I think I only used it to buff my fishing stat, and that was about it. But in this game, as long as you have like a good supply of food, um, then you will have enough stamina to actually feel like you're being productive. So right now I have wine as my food, and it takes me two bottles of wine to refill my stamina bar. I'm doing that at least five times a day doing what I'm doing. So that is not my experience with <laughs> wine. Usually if I drink two bottles of wine, I'm passed out on the couch. <laughs> and see, and that jumps into another part of it that kind of takes me away from the game. Again, I hate how much I love this game. Um, it doesn't feel like there's any repercussions to what you do. Like if you carve some organs out of a dead body because you want the organs, and the rating on the dead body is so bad you don't want it in your graveyard, you can literally just throw it in a river. And that's it. <laughs> there's, like, no repercussions. You, the, there's a donkey who drops off a body. You could literally pick it up, throw it in a river, and say, I don't want to deal with this right now. 
and nothing happens. I am going to laugh so hard (laughs) if you like go to play it and you've played a couple more play sessions and then, you know, like 50 to 60 hours in, it's like, oh, my God, the water system is totally tainted. Nobody has drinking water anymore. Who put all these bodies here? (laughs) It's going to be amazing. I've only tossed like three bodies i can now burn the bodies okay so uh, okay <laughs> i'm trying to be environmentally conscious here. what if it floods what if there's like some sort of drain pipe and a body gets stuck and floods your field or something because you threw a body down the river that would be great <laughs> then it's probably going to make me go on a quest called graveyard keeper csi i don't know like <laughs> figure out who dumped the body you're investigating your own body dump <laughs> exactly then it turns into like this crazy cool movie where it's like, oh, the shocking twist. It was me all along. So I don't <laughs> except that but, you're in on it. So it's not really a yeah. shocking twist. It's like, oh, the, man. The, it's like the audience knows. And when it finally reveals it, everyone's expecting something. And it's like, hey, it was me the whole time. And everyone's like, OK, and then what else? Like, no, nothing. Roll credits. That's yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so. That kind of brings up one thing that they were uh, marketing about this game when it was first announced is basically the kind of like sense of humor to the game and the weird tongue in cheek stuff that it was going to do and the and the moral decisions that were going to end hilariously. So do you feel that they've kind of like lived up to that promise with Graveyard Keeper? Like, (laughs) are you laughing, Josh? (laughs) Well, yes. And that's the thing. I don't know if I'm just demented or crazy, but. I really love playing this game. Like the last time I streamed it, I spent like three hours just digging up dead bodies, <laughs> making them better and then burying them again. So the rating on my graveyard increases. Whoa, and whoa. How do you make a dead body better? Uh, you inject them with stuff through embalming. OK, so <laughs> I did say it made sense. Um, I thought but, maybe you like, I don't know, got new clothes for them or like <laughs> got better oh, at no. doing makeup <laughs> to make them look less dead post funeral. Yeah, a couple of eyeliner, you yeah. know, some nail painting and boom. Exactly. Um, but like it's very tedious and I don't know if it just appeals to the part of me that is a bit of a completionist of sorts where Like, I see my rating going up, so it's clear I'm making a difference and I want to keep making it go up. So when I have a bad rating body, I want to do what I can to make it a good rating body. And it's just I love this game and I hate that I love it because in all honesty, if I were to give it a rating, probably a six out of ten. Like it's. And yet somehow you love the the six out of ten ness. (laughs) I know it's very weird. I don't know why it's a fun game. But I honestly, if someone's like, I love Stardew Valley. Well, I love this game. I'd be like, no, you won't. But (laughs) if you like that type of game, maybe give it a try. And if you don't like it in the first hour, refund it on Steam and get your money back. Like, (laughs) Like that's pretty much how I would recommend it. Like, look, buy it, try it. If you don't like it, make sure you return it because it doesn't get any difference. Um, it does have the humor in it, like interacting with your characters and stuff. There is a bit of humor, but because so much of your time is focused on just doing your stuff and not interacting with people, it's kind of like, I don't know. That's kind of too bad because I feel like that was a lot of what made uh, Stardew Valley kind of special is not necessarily the, you know, activities that you had to do or like delivering things to different people to complete quests or, but it was like, the characters in the game and like building up the relationships and stuff that made it interesting. That was like the driving force behind you actually doing all the farming and stuff. So if 
graveyard keepers kind of missing that, I feel like that's a little bit unfortunate because they're pushing you towards like doing your menial daily tasks as opposed to like exploring the world. Yeah, it's like it's there. It's just because of how much you have to do. Like, for example, there's an inquisition that likes to burn witches. And right now their problem is, is everyone's getting bored with watching witches get burned. (laughs) So the main inquisitor is like, hey, we need to spruce up our witch burning. I want you to open up a beer and burger stand at the witch thing. Like, it's got that humor. where He's like, I like really weird. (laughs) And his like the voice acting in this is like a bunch of mumbling. Like, it's just like, but it changes in tone and stuff, depending on who you're talking to. So he's got like this whispery, sinister kind of voice and he's dressed like an old Spanish Inquisition. And all of a sudden he's like, I know what we need. You need to open up a beer and burger stand that will increase everybody's love for our witch burning. And you're like, OK, well, it's going to make me money. So. All right. Beers and burgers for everybody while we watch someone burn. Like, <laughs> that's, so it, that's so weird. Yeah, yeah, it's in there. It's just like just hard to find. Yeah, it's or it's hard, to, hard find to find time it's, for. It's hard to get to. Like, you really have to like there's if you're going to play it, you have to tell yourself, OK, I'm going to do this 20 percent because it's very easy to go. Hey, you know what? I can do this at the same time I'm doing this at the same time I'm doing this. And then when it's all said and done, you're like, oh, I didn't really do much. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. And again, I read. uh the guide on uh, the dead body rating on Steam, definitely read that before you play. Like the game doesn't tell you much of anything about it. And it's such a huge part of the game. Like, oh, my goodness. No wonder my grade for your rating was so bad. So what is the how does the graveyard rating factor in? Like, why is that important? Uh, it's for the quest for the church. Uh, you keep you can keep upgrading your church, which is surrounded by the graveyard. And he tells you, hey, if your rating is this high, we'll upgrade the church. And if you upgrade the church, when you give a church sermon, you're getting more money. And like, yeah, you're the graveyard keeper and the priest in the church, which is weird in a way. Because it's <laughs> like, hey, uh, I'm dressed like a regular farm guy, but I'm going to sit here and preach to you. Well, you're just trying to appeal to the common folk. <laughs> well, the common folk are all dressed in creepy robes when they come into the church, so... I'm not sure how so things common are, <laughs> things are backwards then. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also, you know, the flip side of a uh, secret cult that's trying to summon bad things. So you could go that route, too. And there's a talking skull. And <laughs> see, all mer- of this stuff sounds like it would be right up my alley. But like Stardew Valley for me was like a sit back and chill. Like I don't like I almost want to turn my brain off, like just do menial, repetitive tasks. when I want to like listen to podcasts or something like that. Like it was a very like chill single player game back when like I guess actually it was right around when Legion launched that I would have been playing it. So it was kind of like, again, my alternative to World of Warcraft, where I was like, okay. I'm doing all this group content we're doing mythic pluses. We're raiding We're everything else. Like, I just want to stop with the tryhard and go do some farming. <laughs> and Graveyard Keeper doesn't sound like it would scratch that itch. Graveyard Keeper sounds like it's like way too complicated for the shut my brain offness of Stardew Valley. <laughs> well, it it does have that effect. The shut the brain off effect. 
there's just um, there's like a lot more to do. So you could still kind of shut your brain off. Like right now, I don't even care about the quest I'm doing. I'm worried about my tech tree and building up my place and building up my graveyard. And knowing what I have to do to do that, I can kind of mm. tune out a little bit. It allows me to read chat and Twitch and all that stuff. So it has that effect once you actually learn how to play the game, which the game doesn't teach you. Right. Yeah. Like when I first bought this game, I hated it. Like there was no love. I was like, what am I supposed to do? It's just put me in a graveyard and hey, have at it, bro. And I'm like, what? What do you mean have at it, bro? <laughs> how am so, I exactly am I supposed to have at and what I know. is it? <laughs> what is it and how do I have it? <laughs> but again, I read one guide, like all it took was one guide. And I was like, flipped a switch and i suddenly loved this game it's very tedious it's got that little bit of humor it doesn't hold your hand but once you learn how to play it then yeah it's it's so oddly addictive do you feel that like maybe if they had just like they just swung the pendulum a little bit too far away from giving any sort of tutorials that like maybe there's some happy medium balance in there where they could just be like one splash page of like, here's your graveyard rating and this is how you change it. And then this is where you go to farm or whatever else, like, you know, just five or six points as a splash screen when you're loading in or something that just gives you a rundown of the game. Would that be too handholdy or? Uh, I think when it came to the graveyard rating, there was a single splash screen screen that told you, like, probably, I don't know, not even half of what you need to know. Uh, I think for something that important, there should have been more hmm. for a lot of everything else. It's not too much of a stretch to figure it out on your own. You just have to be willing to take all of those steps to like do what you want to do. Like if you want to make a burger, then you got to get the toast and the meat and the lettuce and the you know all this stuff. You got to figure out where to get the seeds for it, how long it takes to grow so there's a lot to doing one thing mm. that I don't think there's too much to explain to it. You just kind of have to accept the fact you're going to be doing a lot to do one thing. So it's kind of like a big puzzle. That was my that was uh. my terrible. That's my terrible transition into I've been playing puzzle mode in Hearthstone. <laughs> I was about to say something. I was about to go, you know, I don't know if that would be a puzzle, but you know what does look like a puzzle? <laughs> that Hearthstone puzzle thing that I think looked pretty cool, but I haven't tried it. How about you? Have you tried that, Joss? Why, yes, I played a whole bunch of it while traveling this weekend because the great thing. What a coinkerdink. Right? The transition nailed it. But yeah, <laughs> puzzle mode. Uh, I did play a lot of it this weekend because the great thing about the single player stuff is that um, if your uh, cell service drops or like if your signal drops, it's fine because it's single player. So you just reconnect to the game and there's no rope and it's all fine. So uh, since we were traveling and doing a lot of driving and cell signal was coming in and out, that's usually the time when I choose to try single player Hearthstone content. And lucky for me, puzzle mode just came out. So I got quite a few hours sunk into this mode and it is the most fun I've ever had in single player Hearthstone, including like all the old adventures, like all the like dungeon run and monster hunt and stuff like this puzzle mode is amazing it feels like a totally new way to play hearthstone because it's like you know the solution is there 
like there's a way to to do the goal. So there's like four different goals. One of them is like board clear. One of them is spot the lethal. One of them is make a mirror, which is really, really interesting. Speaking of like totally new ways to play Hearthstone, because you have to instead of doing something that you would normally be doing in Hearthstone, like clearing the board or trying to kill your opponent, they have a board state and you have to mimic that exact board state, including the position and health of the minions. Oh, that sounds cool. It's so cool because it's like it makes you think about the the game and the cards in a way that you possibly haven't before, because like you're never trying to do that ever. <laughs> like you never want a mirrored board state. You want yours to be better than your opponents. But like you're having to uh, sometimes like kill some of their minions with some of your minions that, you know, aren't supposed to be on the board because it's a one turn thing. So it's just like you you complete the puzzle you when you end your turn, having done the thing that you were supposed to do. And uh, yeah, so it's it's really, really, really interesting and cool and a different way of thinking about it, because you're like I said, you're having to sometimes like trade off your minions or, you know, damage your minions or heal your opponent's minions, like all kinds of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily like isn't the first thing that pops into your mind when you think about playing Hearthstone. And there are so many there's over 120 puzzles now. When you say like you say healing your opponent's minions, is this in order to do something productive to your side? Like is it teaching you like, hey, you can use this card the way you usually do, but you can also do this. And it's a neat little trick that you may not have seen before. So is it like being productive and teaching you how to play or is it just kind of like a neat puzzle to try to solve? Uh, it's a little bit of both, uh, because I would say like there's quite a few puzzles that I've solved now that involved using my cards in ways that technically, yes, they can be used, but that I wouldn't normally use. Like, um, I feel like Power Word Shield is a really good example. So there's some priest puzzles where you might have to, like, Power Word Shield your opponent's minion in order right. to, like, because you don't have anything on the board and you don't have enough mana in order to, like, play out enough minions to draw that card that you need. Um, so, yeah, it's like if you power word shield your opponent's minion, you'll get the card that you need without spending the mana to play your own minion. Yeah. So something like an example like that. When I first started playing Hearthstone, I would have never done that. Like mm -hmm. I loved playing priests. And like if I had the North Shark cleric out, I would never heal my opponent's minion in order to draw a card. Right. It wasn't where... until I actually started watching professional players. I was like. Oh, snaps. I never thought to buff my enemy's minion if I really needed to draw a card. Mm -hmm. So I feel like in that sense, it does kind of open up that, you know, you don't have to buff your guys and kill their guys 100 percent of the time. You can buff their guys and damage your guys in order to make some mechanics work. Exactly. And like sometimes that is the correct play. And so in puzzle mode, it's like that it puts a highlight on that because it's like that is the solution to the puzzle. But you're right, like some of those like skills and ways of thinking definitely translate over into uh, play mode, especially when you're thinking about the lethal puzzles or the board clear puzzles, because then it's like, OK, well, these are skills that I can actually take into Hearthstone proper and like now I know to maybe look for that if like I give my opponent more minions and then have a frothing berserker. 
then if I whirlwind, that's actually going to help me because that might be the extra two points of damage I needed when normally I would be like, well, no, I would never want to play a minion that puts more minions on my opponent's side of the board. That would be silly. (laughs) But it's like, but sometimes it's actually correct. So, uh, so yeah, I feel like it makes me think about Hearthstone in a way, like it just kind of think outside the box a little bit and the puzzles themselves are really interesting. Like mirror mode specifically is really cool. Um, but yeah, I'm really, really, really enjoying it. And like I said, the other thing is like the fact that you know that there's a solution there is a really nice morale booster, I guess is the best way I can put it because I play ladder so often and there's a lot of times on ladder just based on like what class you queue into that you're just like, oh my God, this is a terrible matchup for me. I'm going to lose by turn four. Like there's literally no way for me to win this match. Like this really sucks. But when you're in puzzle mode, even if it's really hard and really challenging, like, you know that you can do it. (laughs) Right. And that's a like new feeling for me in Hearthstone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You talking about the turn four lose like the last time I played was when Quest Warrior first came out and it was the same time Quest Rogue came out and I didn't want to play anymore because of Quest Rogue. I hated it so much. Yeah. Quest Rogue is still around. Maybe don't go back to ladder. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like there's more tools to deal with it now. Well, that uh, is, yeah, that but is true. <laughs> I feel like uh, puzzle mode is something that would get me playing Hearthstone again just for puzzle mode, though. Like, well, I yeah, enjoy watching totally... Hearthstone, but I I don't know if I enjoy it as much when I played it. But one thing I always liked about watching all the competition live streams is that when they went to commercial break, it would be like, hey, spot the lethal, and it would pause the video, and then, like, it would come back and be like, this is what it was. And like, oh, man, I almost had that one. So I think kind of nice was, having, uh, like, in the game. Yeah, I think that was Take TV that used to do that, or it was whoever did the Trinity series. I think uh, I'm totally blanking on who that was now. But, yeah, you're right. That That is exactly what it is, but there's 120 of them. And so, like, 30 of them are lethal ones, and 30 of them are mirror ones, 30 of them are board clears. Like, it's it's really, really cool and really, really interesting. And uh, I had another point that I was going to... Oh, you said uh, coming back to Hearthstone, you would come back for puzzle mode. I very, very highly recommend it for anyone who's even curious to see if you've never played Hearthstone before, because it is 100% free and doesn't have anything to do with your collection so you can wait it's free yeah it's free puzzle i don't have to buy an expansion or anything nope oh geez well then yeah i'm gonna download like (laughs) the only the only hesitation i have is like do i really like 20 bucks on an expansion right now like yeah and that's the thing is that before when they were doing single player content and it was the adventures you absolutely did it was like 20 or 30 bucks i can't remember exactly now with the exchange rate at the time but um, yeah, you had to buy it and then there was a different wing every week. And now the single player content, um, they're doing three expansions a year, but each expansion comes with free single player content. So Dungeon Run, Monster Hunt, uh, and now Puzzle Mode are all free. Wait, Monster Hunt and Dungeon Run were also free? Yep. Because I know, I think the very first version, um, the Dungeon One wasn't, right? You had to nope. buy the expansion for that? Nope, they've always been free. Oh, so I bought the expansion thinking, oh, man, I'm going to play this cool single player stuff. And I didn't have to. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Josh. But just think of it this way. You helped fund the development of puzzle mode. (laughs) Well, I mean, single try to say that. But this was how many years, like a year and a half, two years ago. So I don't know if it directly funded this puzzle mode. Well, Dungeon Run came out with Cobalt and Catacombs, and that was in December. So it was eight months ago. (laughs) 
Really? It was it's that young? Yes. Oh, I thought it was much further back than that. No, nope. because I haven't played in a long while. That means I just got real salty about Quest Rogue pretty quick. <laughs> I hated that deck so much. Yeah, so Quest oh. Rogue would have been Angoro. So there was no single player with um, Angoro, but there was a single player with Frozen Throne. That was the first uh, kind of return to um, the adventure style single player. And I think that was mostly because like they weren't thinking outside of the box yet because people essentially what happened was they announced they were going to go to three expansions a year, which meant no more adventures. And people were like, but I really liked single mode. And there was this big uproar about no single player content. And then Hearthstone was like, Okay, okay. We didn't realize you guys actually enjoyed it that much. We'll do some <laughs> we'll do some single player content, but that meant that they then didn't have any ready for Angoro because when they made the announcement it was like 4 to 6 months before Angoro released and they're like we have literally nothing. So, you're going to have to bear with us and wait. <laughs> and then so then they started their single player stuff with uh the second expansion of that year, which was Frozen Throne, which was um very much like Adventures except it didn't reward cards, it gave you like gold and stuff. And I'm trying to remember Wait, if the Angoro one. No, there wasn't anything for Angoro. Frozen okay. Throne. Oh, yeah. no, no. Yeah, the Frozen Throne. It didn't give you anything. You got a card back if you beat all nine, but you didn't get squat for beating. Uh, like, I thought you got a one time like pack reward, one pack for beating a wing. Uh, Well, there wasn't wings. There was classes. There, there was, was classes on for Arthas because you had to defeat the Arthas fight with each of the different classes in order to get the card back or uh, the the Arthas hero. So am I thinking of a different expansion? Quite possibly, yes. <laughs> I'm thinking of the one that had the random bosses with it and they had the like the shade and boss, which really sucked and no one could ever beat. That was that... Cobalts and Catacombs. OK, that's what I thought. Yeah, yes. that's the one I played. OK, yeah. So Cobalts and Catacombs. Yeah, that was free. You didn't have to buy that. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> Well, you know what? I got a bunch of packs out of it, so whatever. So there you go for for a ladder mode that you'll never play again because Quest Rogue. (laughs) (laughs) Not until that card is removed. (laughs) Oh, my God. I just had a momentary freak out because I thought there was a gigantic spider on my uh, file folder that's under my desk. But it turns out it's a cricket, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Until it jumps on you, then it's just. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Crickets don't creep me out. And then they have that little chirping. It's really adorable. Anyways, totally getting sidetracked. But yeah, Hearthstone, puzzle mode, super fun. You guys should check it out because it's free and doesn't involve your collection at all. Since they are prefabricated puzzles, that means you have a prefabricated like hand and deck. Most of the time you don't even have anything in your deck or you might have one or two cards that you have to figure out how to draw, like stuff like that. So it's all prefabricated. It's all pre-set up. So you don't have to worry if you like haven't ever played or don't have a collection or haven't played since Cobalts and Catacombs, say. <laughs> it I'm doesn't getting matter. It. OK, I'm getting it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. So you guys should go and check it out. Um, speaking of checking things out, you have been checking out Uncharted again. Yes. Uh, so I decided to name this thing that I've been doing since I got screwed over by my computer. I call it dusting off the disc where I'm revisiting Whoa. all these old games and stuff. Um, and it's fun to say DOTD, like, you know, the acronym is kind of neat. Like <laughs> Anyways, um, Uncharted is quite honestly, probably the best PlayStation exclusive game out there. 
Uh, the first three came out for PlayStation 3. The last one came out for PlayStation 4. And you can buy one, two, and three um, as the Nathan Drake collection on the PlayStation Store. Which, by the way, right now, it's only $8 with PlayStation Plus, which is amazing. Wait, it's $8 for the entire Uncharted collection? For the Nathan Drake collection, which is one, two, and three. Wow. It doesn't include four, but uh, Uncharted 2 was, in my personal opinion, the best game to hit PlayStation 3, possibly until, um, I can't remember, what's that zombie one with the guy and the girl and... It was like the sad beginning of it. And I got a sequel coming out. The oh, zombie oh, Last of Us? Yes, that one. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to catch so much hate for not remembering this game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the second Uncharted is quite possible. Like that game alone is worth 15 bucks. So the fact that this is only eight dollars was amazing. Uh, but I'm replaying through those i'm streaming it and i'm just having a blast because the game is just so well done and it's just ah it's ah i can't describe how awesome this is (laughs) um but i played through the first one in one sitting it was shorter than i remember but i also remember playing that one after i played two and three so probably why i don't remember it that much um but it's an action-adventure game. It's got some cool cinematics, a very great storyline. It's the main character's voiced by uh, Nolan North. Is that mm-hmm. his name? Yes, that's his name, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the characters in it are actually pretty well-voiced. It's just it's such a fun game to pick up, and like you're laughing the whole time because your character's just lucky but unlucky. You know, he's slamming into sides of the wall and you hear him like kind of grunting like a real person would do. Like a lot of times in games, someone hits a wall and they get up and they brush themselves off like, man, that was close. This guy hits the wall and you hear him grunt and he like falls to the ground. He's slow to get up. He's kind of limping a little. He's like, oh, man. Oh, this is. Oh, oh. <laughs> shouldn't do that again. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's got that cool little like, you know, oh, man, he's like a real human being. And that did sound like it hurt. So that's cool. Yeah. That like, like sense of realism kind of. Yes. Um, But it's a again, when I saw it was eight bucks, it's funny. I went to Walmart to look for it because I was like, you know what game I'm going to start playing? Uncharted. And I don't want to dust off my PlayStation 3. So I'm going to get the Nathan Drake collection. So I was like, oh, maybe I can find it at Walmart, but I think it's digital only. So I went to Walmart, couldn't find it. It was funny. I actually started looking in the Xbox section. I was like, (laughs) wait a second. Isn't this a PlayStation exclusive? What am I doing here? (laughs) This isn't the right aisle for me. I know. Hmm. There's a lot of green in this. But uh, yeah, then I checked the store and I was like, hey, here's this for $8. I'm like, here's $8. Uh, It doesn't include the multiplayer. As far as I know, uh, which sucks because I remember playing a lot of the multiplayer. They have like a survival mode that you could play with two or three other friends, which is really fun. But the, I don't think I've ever played any of the Uncharted multiplayer stuff. Yeah, for me, it was just the survival mode. They have like deathmatch and team deathmatch, but mm. the survival mode is what my friends and I played a lot of. That sounds like it's co-op instead of. Yes. Yeah. I'm like a big co-op single player guy. Yeah. So. That's why Hearthstone's not really my jam. <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah I, so sorry, how far are you now then through your series? Uh, well, I finished the first one. I've started up the second one. I'm a couple of hours into it. Uh, I believe it's probably 
twice as long as the first one. I was going to say, um, I think I feel like I've heard that before, that the first Uncharted is quite short. It is. I was surprised. Like when I finished it, I was like, oh, man, that was a great game. And I liked the time. I was like, oh, uh, still a couple hours in the day. OK, <laughs> so <laughs> what are we going to do now? Because I'm actually about to go to bed at a reasonable time. <laughs> and that can't stand. <laughs> I know. But I think I like I streamed the whole thing and I think it only took me like six or seven hours. Wow, that's um, really fast. Yeah, but I've also played all four of them like. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So you're like who's, familiar with mechanics and. Yeah, yeah. For someone who's never played it, like some of the puzzles I remembered really quick. So mm-hmm. I wasn't standing there going, let's see, what do I got to do next? Because there are some platforming puzzle mechanics to it, too. Uh, it's not all run and gun and shoot. It is kind of interesting, though, when you think about like our expectations around video games, though, because like and how much they've changed over the years, because I can't remember when Uncharted came out, but it was a while ago. And uh, 2007. There you go. 2007. And I feel like so that was, oh, my God, 11 years ago. <sighs> I know. Feeling old yet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so- I know I was once I saw that. I was like, ah. Oh. 11 years, huh? Oh, oh man. man. I try not to think about where I was in 2007 because then I would feel really, really old. So we just, let's just <laughs> not mention 2007 anymore. But it came out in the new century. But we'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, so my my point was going to be that, in you know, like 10, 11 years ago, Uncharted, like lots of people talk about how like Uncharted was one of their favorite games. It was so amazing. It was like groundbreaking. And like you say, with all the the voice acting was incredible and it felt like a movie. And like I've heard all these people just like sing the praises of Uncharted with a five to ten hour campaign. Like AAA titles that are coming out with a five to ten hour campaign these days are getting ripped to shreds because there's not enough content in them. I think... Uh, for this game, I don't know if it applies to the bigger discussion, but for the Uncharted series, it was all about quality. Um, even replaying it like the Nathan Drake collection does up the graphics a little bit for the PlayStation four. At least I think, uh, pretty sure I'm looking at it rose colored goggles from what it used to be. But like if you give me the first Nathan Drake game, which would take, as you said, five to ten hours, five if you're super good, ten if you're just kind of getting into it. Uh, I would still say that's a twenty dollar game at least uh, just because of the quality of the game. Well, I yeah, like but I mean, like it wasn't a twenty dollar game when it launched, though, right? It was a full triple A uh, like flagship title. Yeah, I'm saying twenty dollars today. Oh yeah, like, no, I'm talking about like yeah. when it when it released back in two thousand seven. Like people talk about it like it's like this huge goal that people should be aiming for. But at a full price AAA title, if a full price AAA title came out with five to ten hours of gameplay in the campaign today, people would rip it apart. Yes, I I agree with that sentiment. I think if you're going with the quality argument, then it's got to be like the best game ever made to do 10 hours and say, yeah, that's 60 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, or God, it's 80 bucks up here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I remember when games used to be 60 bucks. It was glorious. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? They still are. Uh, hashtag Maruka. Um, but I think the cool thing about the Uncharted series was that um, 
so the games, the main four that were released was 2007, 2009, 2011, and then 2016. And as you play through all four of them, you kind of notice that they were changing with that trend where the first one was short, but super high quality and people loved it. Whereas the second one kept the quality, but clearly it was longer and then longer and then the last one was an amazing game in itself, but it was much, much longer than the first one. So I think what made Uncharted successful is that it kind of recognized that kind of, you know, that hey, trend, we can't get yeah. away with, you know, $10 gameplay without sacrificing the quality of the game, mm-hmm. which was really, really good on them. Yeah, I get. Well, and again, I didn't play back in 2007. I didn't have a PlayStation, so I didn't actually play Uncharted when it was new. But um, the most recent Uncharted, I did play right. I guess that was Uncharted 4. I, the one on the PlayStation 4 is, yeah. Yeah. The one. So I, I feel like I when I played that one, it did have. I felt like it had more like glitches than I was expecting. And I feel like it just again, like and I, I also feel like we've had this conversation a couple times on TGI now, but um, just the idea of like the scope of games and the expectations are getting so large now that it just becomes harder and harder and harder to actually do all the testing you need to do. And like, there's going to be stuff that just doesn't work because they didn't get to it to fix it or they didn't have the budget or whatever. And it's just like these little funny glitches are making it through because you're looking at a 30 hour campaign now, as opposed to a 10 hour campaign, which you could extensively test and you could, you know, be all nitpicky and detail oriented whereas now selling games at the same price they just can't do when they're when you're looking at you know 30 hours of content versus 10 hours of content yeah and it's a a little disappointing in a sense that we've gotten to the point where there's that fear of that feedback which makes me all the more admiral towards these companies that are like yeah okay like the whole puddle gate with spider-man where the company's like yeah shut up it's a smaller puddle whatever uh and then cg project red people are like oh we don't like the first person they're like whatever it's first person like this is our game guys like just, come on so i, I like, really like, <laughs> i really like companies that are like it's our game and this is the game that we're making as opposed to yeah well we just talked about it last week ryan and i with we happy few where it's like if you played it when it was first announced on beta the game is totally different now because they took like every piece of community feedback and incorporated into the game and got to a place where now it's kind of messy and not really focused. Whereas if they had just said, this is a survival game set in a world that we built and we're glad you like the world, but there's no actual real story here. We just built a really cool setting for surviving. (laughs) Like, but that is the game that we're building. I think we happy few would have been a better game overall. So it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting. And I like to see companies say, like, too bad. This is our game and this is what we're making and this is how yeah. it is. <laughs> Which, again, I love. I love the fact that a company is willing to say, like, you can hate us. Don't buy it. Yeah, exactly. Just don't, if you're so concerned, don't buy it. Which if, kind of is, I feel like, a symptom of being a, like, well-off, not-your-first-game AAA studio, yes. right? Like, not yes. a lot of indies can just say, screw you guys, we're just making the game that we're making. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, I think in full circle was probably going to be Graveyard Keeper's downfall. Like, in the sense that if, uh, 
let's say, for example, Blizzard made Graveyard Keeper. And right now, a lot of the reviews I'm seeing are very middle of the road, so it kind of turns people off of it. Mm -hmm. They can afford that. Like, they can say, okay, we tried this game. You know, it's got the pixel graphics, so it's not like we needed to, like, really put in a lot of development into the graphics and whatnot. Like, okay. But with Lazy Bear Studios, they only have one other game on Steam. And it's also, like, a very pixelated kind of indie game. So for them... I can see where the point you just made, can they really absorb it as in a, you know, can we catch the heat? And they've actually done a few updates in the game where a lot of people were complaining about smaller things and you can see that they've changed some things. So it kind of sucks in the sense that they don't have the game out there that they want. Um, but survivability wise as a company, I, it sucks that it's that necessary. Yeah, I, I mean, there there is something to be said for, like, you know, releasing a game and then having people say, like, oh, the... I don't know, I don't know the game well enough to, to really pick a mechanic that would be small enough, but basically, like, to say, like, this one mechanic is really not fun and it's taking away from the rest of the game, and then having the developer go, okay, we didn't see that in early access or in playtesting or whatever, so uh, if you guys really feel like that's not fun, we'll we'll make a change. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to be like, what are your top 10 suggestions? OK, we'll change them all. And then it's no longer the game that they set out to make. Right. Yeah. And the another downside of all that is companies are being more afraid to show games earlier. Yeah. Show games uh, or even like, oh, crap, I totally lost my train of thought. Well, like, for example, with Cyberpunk 2077, which is a lot of a game, a lot of people are like, "Ooh, ah, cool. This is going to be neat. Uh, Project CD Red. I'm sorry, CD Project, whatever, whichever one it was. Uh, they were very, very hesitant to actually show the 45 plus minute gameplay video that was revealed to anything but a private crowd, because it's like, look. Just so you guys know, this is very, very early in development. In fact, the first 30 seconds of the video, the narrator is like, look, guys, I'm going to be real with you. Things are going to change. Don't take screenshots and be like, hey, y'all said this was going to be a thing. And it's so, <laughs> it, like, I oh, hate I know that we have that disclaimer. Like, yeah, taking it's risks in development. Yeah, taking <laughs> risks with development was the other thing that I was going to say is that like, people are less likely to take risks and do things that are thinking outside the box if then, you know, community feedback is going to be too punishing, which I think yeah. we're guilty of that just in general. It's one thing to be critical. It's another thing to just, like, go too far and be too demanding and have the expectation and the entitlement that whatever it is that you feel is wrong with the game will somehow get changed, and if it doesn't get changed, it's because the developer is terrible. Yeah, I like to tell people, if you don't like it, go make your own game. <laughs> there's there's schools out there that will teach you how to do it. You can learn everything you need to learn. If you don't like it, go make your own game or purchase a company and have them make it. Like at the end of the day, the cool thing about consumerism is if you don't want the product, guess what? You don't have to buy it. Like, yep, <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the day. You don't like it, don't buy it. Cool we're done that's the end of the discussion it's like oh but i really wanted to play okay well then buy it but yeah. it doesn't have that well then be quiet and don't buy it like pick one 
This has been economics. Too, or... <laughs> this has been economics yeah. with Josh. <laughs> That's the economic class. You don't want it, don't buy it. If you want it, then buy it. If you want it and you want to complain about it, talk to yourself in the mirror. <laughs> it's like, ugh. Drives me nuts when I see companies getting all worried about community feedback that's so volatile and negative. Like, it's not feedback at that point. It's just vitriol. Ugh. Anyways. <laughs> so Uncharted is a great game. Right. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Excellent. It's amazing. It's eight bucks for the first three. Go buy it. Even if you don't plan on playing it right now, the PlayStation deal plus right now is just amazing. Uh, is the PlayStation Plus deal a monthly thing or I know that they like have rotating offers, but I can't remember how often they change. I have no idea. Hmm. All I know is I went to the PlayStation store and it's like, here, have it for eight bucks. So, yeah, you guys should because we are now on August 30th. So if they do rotate every month, then there's a chance that after tomorrow it'll be gone. So I'll have to also make sure that I get this episode up right away <laughs> so that you, this information is still valid. Post it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Stop talking. Close the show. All Post right. it. Let everyone know. Blast it on Twitter. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we do have a patron ad this week from Simon who says, Weekly News Dash is a podcast all about the geek news this week. You could join your two knucklehead hosts, Andrew and Simon, as they keep you informed on movies, TV, video games, and books. You can find them on iTunes or at weeklynews.com. And I know that Josh was joking, but that does pretty much do it for us this week. I uh, did want to remind you guys that if you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash thegamersin. You can also join in the conversation with Ryan, myself, all the rest of our fans, and Josh is in there quite often, too, uh, over at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. Josh, where can folks find you and everything that you do on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore JDC. Uh, and I actually have started streaming on a schedule now. I'm on Twitch, uh, just Josh 22. Uh, right now, we're mostly doing, as I said, dusting off the disc where I play old games. And if you guys have any suggestions, by all means, let me know. I don't have a high end gaming computer right now so i'm just kind of stuck playing old console games that i have uh but i think right now we're doing uncharted i want to get back in the command and conquer series as well which is fun so we'll see where that goes excellent well thank you again for joining me it's always fun to have you on uh if you'd like to visit us on the web you can do so at gamersinpodcast.com you can also follow us on twitter you can find me jocelyn and joss plays ryan's and R. murphy and don't forget to follow the show at the gamers in the video versions of all our episodes are streamed on thursdays at 8 30 p.m on twitch.tv slash the gamers in and are also available after the fact over on twitch if you'd like to email the show and let us know what you're playing you can do so at info at gamersinpodcast.com thanks for staying at the gamers in remember tune in next week Bye, everybody. Adios.